possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Welcome to the Palace Theater's Broadway Buzz, presented by Webster Bank. The Palace Theater is located in Waterbury, Connecticut. My name is Stuart Brown, founder of the 24-7 online Broadway radio station, soundsofbroadway.com. If you are looking for nonstop Broadway music, tune into soundsofbroadway.com, playing the best from off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage. I'll be your host for this podcast series. My guest today is Lauren Yarger, who is a producer with Gracewell Productions. In her spare time, she's also a theater critic and a playwright. We're going to talk about the Palace Theater's new table reading series. So welcome to the program, Lauren. Thank you, Stu. Thanks for having me on. Well, I think this is a an exciting venture with the Palace Theater. It's nice to see them sort of venturing out, not just producing shows, but something like a table reading series where, uh, well, I'm, I'm not really going to talk about it because that's why you're on. So <laughs> how about if you can just start off with, with what is a table reading series? It's definitely something new for the Palace. They are a presenting house. So most of everything that they have at the palace is something that is produced somewhere else comes through on a tour that type of thing so they're starting to venture out into some other different things and we had talked i talked with sherry marcucci and frank tavera at the palace before the pandemic about this series and the idea of doing something new giving people an opportunity to see some new works sort of in progress which is what a reading series is and the series has been started and stopped about three times at least because of the pandemic. So we finally got it uh, together and we had the first offering, which was a play by Kate Catcher called The Little Sisters of Littleton. And it was really quite a success. It, it really was wonderful. It was the first thing that I've been involved with uh, producing again since the pandemic to get people in seats in live theater with live actors on stage. So it was really wonderful. And it just it came together very well. And uh, we're excited. We have two more. And I guess we'll talk a little bit more about those. But uh, that was kind of the start of it. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll continue now. And how did you become involved with the series? You said you spoke with Sherry Marcucci from the Palace and Frank Tavares, who's the CEO. Right. Um, well, I had wanted to do a series uh, of readings. It's I, I really personally just really enjoy uh, the readings that are part of the playwriting process. I know as a playwright, they're incredibly helpful to me when, when you're writing. You you come to a point that your, your listeners may not understand the whole process of when you write a play, but... You know, you're sitting at your your computer and you're writing this script and, and you've spent hours and hours and sometimes months and years and <laughs> however long to get to the point where you are. And you, you come to a point where you really, you have to hear it read. You have to hear actors uh, read those roles. And it's not a performance. It's not a full staging like you see when you go to the palace to see something on their main stage. It's the first time that it's up and running basically or the second time or depends on what kind of reading you're doing but it's it's before you get to the production part and it's crucial it really is because you you have to know if what you've written is working the way you think it is when I mean, you are you have sort of blinders on and you know what you've written and you know who these characters are and how they're supposed to be interacting together you know if you've written funny lines that 
the punchline is this line. And you'd be surprised how many times you just get so wrapped up in it that you don't realize that it's not quite going the way you thought it was, or maybe those lines aren't funny at all. And the only way to really know that is to hear the actors breathe life into these characters and to have an audience reaction. So usually for a reading, there are different kinds. We're calling these table readings um, sort of as a play on the fact that the room at the palace, the poly club room that we're in, is sort of like a cabaret space. And so it has tables in there. That's the setup for the audience. And so they're sitting at tables to watch these readings, which are done on a raised stage at the end of the room. Uh, but there's also a thing called a table reading. And that's sort of the first step in a reading process is the playwright, maybe a director, maybe a producer, and some actors who read the roles and they just literally read the script around the table so that the playwright can hear it. And then you have something like this, which is a, a reading, but with an audience that's invited. For this particular series, we're doing by invite only. So this isn't a reading series uh, where you, sometimes you'll see a larger series that's really quite staged in, in its process and a, there's tickets sold and, and that kind of thing. It's we're not there. It's This is a invited audience, uh, but it gives an audience to the reading. So again, the playwright can not only hear the actors on stage giving life to these characters, but hear the audience reaction. And then at the end, we have a question and answer session where the audience members can ask questions that came up for them. They didn't understand something in the play. They didn't like something. They give feedback. It's really invaluable to the playwright. Um, the last one we had, that was one of the best audiences for a reading I've ever been at, to be honest. And they had some really wonderful, insightful questions and comments that I'm sure the playwright is going to be able to take and really, you know, fine tune that play. So it's, it's really, it's a wonderful process. When I've interviewed people, I've always heard that they really appreciate Connecticut audiences because they feel that they are very vested and very intelligent audiences. So they do get that, that feedback. Yeah, it's one. We, I mean, Connecticut is such a treasure for theater. I mean, I, I, when I first moved here, I remember thinking, gee, I wonder if there's going to be a whole lot of theater because we're so close to New York. So my thought was, you know, the people must go into New York for theater and, and they do. But gosh, we have, you know, how many professional theaters here? What is it, 12 or something? I, you oh, know, I think even more than that now. More than that, yeah. I mean, there's there are a lot of them all around the state. And then there are wonderful community theaters as well. And so it's just, it's a thriving theater community and there are a lot of audiences who attend a lot of theaters I you know my experience is that most people don't just go to one theater you know they if, are in the Hartford area and they go to Hartford stage they also go to theater works they also go to the Bushnell they also go you know there's so so there's myriad of experience to bring with them when they come to these readings well as an aspiring playwright myself I had a, a reading and uh, I found the audiences very engaged with what was going on on stage, the feedback was was excellent. And there were some questions or even afterwards, some people came up to me and said, oh, so was was this really what was going on? And I'm I'm standing there thinking, I never thought of that, but that's a great idea. So yeah. I can understand how, you know, these these uh, playwrights, especially with theater being shut down for so long, there were no outlets. You know, I mean, there are reading series around the state, but everything was shut. So they were closeted for all this time, probably just waiting for an opportunity for something like this. 
Yeah, it was really hard. I, I actually produced a reading on Zoom during the pandemic, uh, and, and, and everybody started heading that direction. You know, we, we suddenly had all of these things on Zoom. I found that for me, productions didn't work all that well uh, for me on Zoom. Uh, streaming is one thing, and even that doesn't work for me all the time. But uh, reading on Zoom, you could do because you're not expecting a performance. You're not, ex you know, there's no set, there's no costumes, you know, it's just, it's people in their boxes reading these roles and you can get uh, the feedback you need in terms of uh, for the playwright hearing the lines and are they working and people who attended the readings on Zoom could still offer feedback. So it was, it was helpful. It's not as good as being in the room, but uh, it was it was helpful. So I did produce with my uh, producing pat partner, Pat Addis, down in New York. We produced a uh, a reading of a play that Dorothy Lyman wrote. And then we we had a couple of readings and, and the feedback was wonderful. We had great attendance. We, we literally were sold out on Zoom, you know, if you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we had, uh, it was pretty full and people were quite excited about the play. And she, she was able to take that play and have other streamings of it during the pandemic. So so there were ways to get the work out there and get it produced, but they were sort of limited and still are really. I'm, I'm finding that, I mean, things are opening up and we are starting to see some opportunities to be live and on stage again, but it's it's just much more complicated than it was before. So we're still sort of swimming and treading carefully through the water. What are you trying to do with this program besides just the, the general where you want to present with the Palace Theater? Are there, are there goals? Are you looking for certain types of work from playwrights? Well, for this particular series, um, I had three plays actually that I wanted to get up for readings. Uh, that was what generated the idea of the reading series was because there were these wonderful plays that I really wanted to have develop and get to the next stage. Before the pandemic, I thought that would be in terms of getting them on stage for a production. And then that's sort of stopped short. It still is. I actually, uh, one of the plays I wasn't able to produce as part of this series. So we have a different type of event for the third part of the series, which is going to, we actually postponed, let me just say that in case people saw the original date, we, we had a reading scheduled for this month in November, but we had a glitch with the date. So we've postponed that and we're going to present that in March instead, but that's an evening of four one acts. So the other two are plays, the one we've already done, and then we have a play coming up in December. And then this will be a, an afternoon of four one acts that have to do with uh, the perspective of African-American women. So kind of excited. We It turns out that, you know, it makes it look like you planned it that way, but March is Women's History Month. So it works really well that that play will be presented in March. Let's talk about those plays, but we're going to take a short break, get our sponsors to say a few words, and then we'll be back more to talk about the Palace Theater's table reading series with Lauren Yarger. Where can you hear the best music from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage? The answer, soundsofbroadway.com, your 24-7 online Broadway music radio station. Listen to selections from well-known, popular, and more obscure musicals from the most diverse playlists anywhere. That's soundsofbroadway.com. Let's go on with the show. We're all living through an unusual time together, but each one of us is dealing with it differently. Webster Bank is here to help you move forward. 
at whatever pace is right for you. Whether you're taking small steps or big, bold ones. Whether you're refocusing on your future, re-energizing your business, or reconnecting with everyone you love, Webster will help you take your next steps on your time. I'm back with Lauren Yarger, a producer at Gracewell Productions, who is in charge of the Waterway Palace Theater's table reading series. My name is Stuart Brown, and we were just about to talk about some of the plays. So you have a reading coming up on December 11th, and the play is entitled Joy Meets Girl. So yes. can you give us a sneak preview? Yes, I can. I'm really excited about this one. It's The playwright is Kimberly Hill. And she is a, uh, a new playwright, really. She's in the last few years been turning her attention to writing some plays and things for stage. But before that, she had been out in Hollywood and wrote for TV. So she wrote for a lot of shows that were sort of favorites of mine, uh, which is kind of cool, but like Cheers and Family Ties and One Day at a Time, uh, those kind of sitcoms that were so popular. And uh, she, she worked as a producer and um, in other capacities with some other shows, um, you know, like Soap, another favorite, <laughs> favorite of mine. So You're, you're anyway, dating yourself. I, I know, but it was just, they were, it was a great era, you know, and she was right there and part of it. So she has written this, this play and it's, it's wonderful because it's, it's exactly why we have this play reading series is this kind of play, because when she first wrote the piece, it, I believe it started as a, a novel. You'd have to ask her to make sure that's accurate, but I believe she wrote it first as a, as a novel. And then she took it and wrote it into what she thought was going to be a script for stage. And really, when I read it, it, it read more like a screenplay. And again, that's more her background would be for writing for television. And so she looked at it again and thought, well, maybe I've got a radio play here. And so she went to write it as a radio play and sort of landed on stage with a stage play. And it's not a radio play anymore. So part of the process for her is to have this reading so that she can hear it and get feedback from the audience and make some decisions about what direction is she going to go with the play? You know, is it viable as something that would be staged? Is it sounding more like a radio play? Is it you know, should she go back and make it a screenplay? I don't know, but she, but it's sort of, you know, she's kind of testing the ground and I think she's heading toward wanting to see some form of it on stage. And this reading will help in terms of determining what's going to happen, but it's a comedy and we haven't cast, we haven't announced casting yet, but Susan Cinnamon is directing and she's, uh, she's also a TV writer. She's a playwright as well, but she's, she writes for uh, the Goldbergs, on television. She, she created the character named after her, I guess, Miss Cinnamon, and for the spinoff that came from that show. So she's going to be directing. So she's perfect because she's got both backgrounds, you know, the playwright background and the TV background. So she, she gets it. And uh, it's kind of in the vein of those old screwball comedy kind of movies. It's like, you know, the the, the woman and she's she's very uh, optimistic about everything everything's wonderful it's set during a Christmas time theme and so Christmas is coming it isn't that exciting and everything's wonderful 
and she's engaged to this guy who's sort of controlling and, and he thinks he knows the answer for everything. And then there's this old family friend that sort of has a secret crush on her. And then the interaction between them and she kind of wakes up and decides that maybe being all full of joy and happiness all the time is unrealistic. And so anyway, it's it's just kind of a, a fun exploration of what, you know, where does joy really come from? And uh, there's, there's some, you know, not heavy, but, you know, more meaningful parts of it. So it's not just all fun and, you know, banter back and forth, although there's a lot of that, but there's some more substance to it. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how it comes out in front of, of the audience. This one is a little, obviously, this is the first draft, and it's never been presented before. The play that we had last, the first one that opened the series, uh, that starred Dorothy Lyman and Asachi Parker um, as the two sisters of Sisters of Littleton, that had readings before and had been in the process for many years. So it's, it's, it's a different thing when that gets up in front of an audience you know, the playwright had already gotten feedback and put that into the play that we saw at this reading, but this one is the first time. So, you know, people will be excited to be the first ones to see this play ever. Well, as, as someone who also loved the series Soap, big Cheers fan, very, very funny shows. So I might have to make a reservation for December 11th because you don't see a lot of good comedies. I saw a show recently in New York it was billed as a comedy and it was just very matter of fact. And, you know, there are a few, a, a few laughs, but it was not to me a very fulfilling show. So hopefully with someone with that background, that would be enlightening, but also funny. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's got potential. Again, it was one of the plays that I originally liked very much, even in its earlier form. Um, and felt like it had a life, you know, that I wanted to see it, see what could happen and where it could go. And again, depending on what form it takes, I'm not sure which it will have because she doesn't know that yet either until <laughs> she decides. But, you know, I think that it's it's that good that it will go on and have a life after this reading of some kind. It may be another reading, you know, it may be doesn't mean that because you have a reading that you go directly to a production, but sometimes that's where you're at. And after the reading, you're ready. You mentioned that you haven't cast the show yet. So are these professional actors that will be presenting the show? Well, yes. I mean, they're paid. This is a non-equity uh, reading series, but it's, but they're, they're being paid for their, their time. So yes. <laughs> and oh. some of them are, some of them for the various parts of the reading series, some of them are local, some of them are from New York. So kind of just casting to who's best for the roles. Well, I think that that plays a very important part. Because to have professionals, whether they're equity, non-equity, but professional actors that are being paid, I think that brings a lot to the series as opposed to some reading series. Like I said, when I was participating in one, it was, it was community members. And I was very grateful. Um, I personally didn't think they did a good job because... I don't think they had the background. Well, we also have directors. So that really helps when you're kind of at this. I mean, it depends. Every every reading is helpful. It just depends where you are in the process. So for this, we, you know, we're at this, we're at the point where these playwrights are ready to have professional actors adopt these roles and give to them what they can. And then there's a director who helps them do that. So it's not just people sitting there, like it's not really a table reading where you just sit around and people cold read it, you know, and whatever. They, they actually have read the script, they've rehearsed, they've interacted with the director 
and then they're presenting it on stage. And it's, it's very helpful. I know I had a reading of one of my works in New York. And for me, it was crucial because I was trying to adapt a, um, an autobiography to the stage. And it was kind of an interesting, different format to do that. And I wasn't really sure that it was working. And so my main focus was, is this working? And are these characters going to be able to do what I think they can do? Are the actors, are they going to be able to do it? Because they were, except for one of the, there were three actors, the other two were playing multiple people and they would be on stage as well. It wasn't just because it was a reading and they were reading several parts. They were actually going to play multiple roles. And I, I wasn't quite sure if that was going to work. So my focus was on, is this, is this framework working to tell the story of this woman's autobiography? And when we were in rehearsal, uh, one of the actors who was playing uh, one of the roles had a different intonation to his voice when he was, when he was saying the, the lines than I had imagined this character to have. And I, and I said something about, you know, I, I felt that he was... A little more sinister than I was hearing him do. And he said, I, I'm not feeling it that way because, you know, I feel, I feel like there's, there's even more darkness to this character if I don't play him so dark, you know, if it's more of an underlying thing. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And he did that. And it was amazing. It was, you know, so, so I wasn't even looking at trying to develop that character, but the actor, of course, that was what he was there for. And with the direction that he received, you know, I felt like I got so much more out of it than I even thought I would going into the reading. So it's really, it really is valuable that the actors bring a lot to the table, you know, <laughs> to our table readings and uh, the directors as well, because it's, you know, it's, again, it's that you're in the, you know, the blinders, you know, are on and you know exactly what you think those characters are saying and doing. And somebody else comes in and sees it a different way. And, you know, it can really be brilliant. And sometimes it can be helpful. I had another play one time at a table reading and someone read a line that had a double entendre meaning to it that I hadn't meant at all. And it was really like not appropriate <laughs> at all to this person saying this in that way at that time. And it was helpful to hear that, that could, it could be interpreted that way because I hadn't thought of it at all, you know, so it, it really is extremely helpful. And then later, you, you know, you can get into more staged plays where there really, you know, there really is a lot more rehearsal that goes into it. And, and they really are you know, almost off book. Sometimes, you know, um, you know, some staged readings get really complex. And that's really when you're ready to almost go into workshop or into production from there. So, so we're kind of somewhere at the other end of the spectrum. But I think regardless, people are going to see, I don't want to say polished production, but that there's a director, actors, rehearsal, so it's not really going to be sort of a uh, yeah, start and just, stop type thing. Right. It's not just people sitting there reading the script. It's definitely they're portraying these characters. And in fact, the last reading, I, a lot of people commented to me that they didn't think they were at a reading. They were so engrossed in the play that they felt like they had seen a performance. I mean, and, and really it was the actors sitting there with their scripts. You know, it wasn't done in any kind of production way. Jackie had a couple of people exit and enter at some certain points where it helped to tell the story a little bit. But I mean, it really, there really was no big production going on. But because of the way that the actors, like you say, just the level of those particular actors were able to bring so much to it, it seemed like they were in, they were all in the middle of the story. And I was really thrilled at how engaged the audience was. Uh, they really, they seemed to be, you know, really on the edge of their seats and involved. And, and that's all you can ask for, really. You mentioned that there was supposed to be a, a November reading, but that had to be 
put off. That's the one we're doing in March. Yeah. Right. So there's December. And then I guess what, because of the cold weather, January and February, taking time off, come back in March, is it then going to continue April, May and so on? Uh, Not at this point yet. Uh, We haven't made any plans that way. I I think we're looking for some sponsors to see if if there are people who would help support uh, continuing the series. You know, it is obviously there are expenses involved. We kind of have absorbed a lot of them, especially for that first reading, because the palace was committed to having uh, live theater available to its patrons. And I really felt strongly that I wanted to get these works up and I wanted to get actors back to work, directors back to work. So there were, we, we were very passionate and motivated to do this, but I, you know, whether it will continue forever <laughs> will, will you know, be based on what the support is for it. I think some of the listeners are going, okay, this sounds like a good idea. How, what, what do I do? And the series is open to platinum level subscribers, but also there are a limited number of tickets set aside for the general public and people should call the palace theater box office at 203-346-2000 for information about shows and tickets and to see if they can get in on this creative process which i think a lot of people like it's like oh i saw that five years ago yeah it really is it's true and uh it is it is by invite only so we we do have that number available for people to call it's sort of a waiting list because the seating is very limited in the room and we're trying to do distance seating still so that people feel comfortable we have protocols in place where masks are required proof of vaccination or a negative covid test are required for entrance Um, So hopefully people feel a little more at ease because of that. But I know for myself, I've been back to the theater maybe four or five times so far since the pandemic. And I've been in distance seating situations, uh, at least three of those. And it's really nice. You know, you just really feel more comfortable. At least I do feel more comfortable not being crammed in and feeling like I'm sitting with people. I don't know who they are and, you know, whether they're going to cough on me and things like that. So we're trying to continue that relaxed kind of feeling in the room. So um, it just depends then, you know, how many seats we have after the platinum people are make their reservations, how many seats are available after that. And then we go to the list of people who said they were interested to come. Lauren, I want to thank you for coming onto the Broadway buzz and talking about the table reading series. I think it's, very exciting for the palace. I think it's very exciting for Connecticut theater and for audience members to have another venue to see theater, especially when it is just starting out. I think for a lot of people, it's it's fun to, to really be part of that creative process. Yeah, it's exciting. My guest has been Lauren Yarger, who is a producer with Gracewell Productions and the head of the table reading series at the Palace Theater. You've been listening to the Palace Theater's Broadway Buzz presented by Webster Bank. The Palace Theater is located in Waterbury, Connecticut. My name is Stuart Brown, founder of the 24-7 online Broadway radio station, soundsofbroadway.com. If you are looking for nonstop Broadway music, tune into soundsofbroadway.com playing the best from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me on our next podcast episode. Until then, stay safe, be well, and be informed with the Broadway buzz. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place.